0: If you're not interested in becoming a child of God and being everything that he predestined you to be, it's going to be hard to do this. It's going to be hard to continuously do this. So uh, we're entering into our fourth pillar, our ministry pillar. And uh, the title of our teaching on today is this is how we do ministry. Amen. This is how we do ministry. And so I'm going to lay out how we're going to do ministry so that you can understand for yourself or so that you can understand for uh, when you're telling people. Uh, in 2013, I told you, it was around 2013 and 14, the Spirit spoke to me. I was sitting in service. And as I left, I was just flustered because I, was, I felt like I wasn't growing. And he said, the church is the only educational institution where people show up And they have no idea what they're about to become. They just constantly show up year after year after year after year. 20 years then pass, 10 years then pass, okay, 30 years then pass, and you ask the question, what have you become? And it's been nothing but a hypocrite or a Pharisee or legalistic or what they call them Bible thumpers, okay? And the whole purpose of church was for us to grow and become like Christ and be God's children. All right, the reason why Jesus died on the cross was because the Father wanted children. He didn't die on the cross so you can have a seat in heaven and you can avoid hell. If that was the plan, then that means that had to be the plan before the foundation of the world. He was going to create a bunch of people and tell them to avoid hell. So... Uh, the another thing the Spirit told me was that what the what the church is supposed to be doing it like colleges are doing it, okay? The church is supposed to be a university. It's supposed to be where you go, and you you know why you're coming there to learn. How many how many of y'all ever enlisted in college or enrolled in college and you had no idea why you was going? Okay, well you shouldn't. okay you shouldn't all right when you enroll in college you should enroll in college because you know what you're going to become all right matter of fact you pick the college because they have that you look for the college like I want to be an engineer okay and at that time uh, I had enrolled in a school called SAE School of Audio Engineering now I didn't I had no idea the plan that the father was setting me up for but it was a nine-month program And in nine months, they walked us through everything that it took to be an audio engineer, everything that it took to do video game design, to be a music producer, to be an artist, okay? In nine months, they walked us through all of these things. They created the environment. So as soon as you walked out the classroom, you was right next to the studio. You was right next to the Beat Lab. It's actually where I met Pastor Kirby at, okay? and so. That's what church is supposed to look like. You're supposed to show up knowing why you're coming. That's how you're supposed to pick the church. You're supposed to look on their website and look for the curriculum. Before we started this ministry, we were looking for a church. But every church we looked at, there was no curriculum. There was nothing telling us what we were becoming. It was just telling us show up and worship God. And how many of y'all know That can be pointless if there's no growth. If we're just showing up to get told how, and and what we do is we show up to get told what we're doing wrong. Okay? And so, we're in our ministry pillar. And the title of the teaching today is This is How We Do Ministry. Now, this came on the background from the, uh, this came from a situation actually that, that occurred when I was at church, I was in a ministry and I was asked by the minute, the pastor to teach. And I had been to other churches prior to that one. And the thing that apostle, the thing that McKinley Hardy gets himself in trouble with is when he goes to a ministry and they ask him to teach. That was where I always got in trouble with I showed up on time. I paid tithes off. I didn't miss none. I, I was a model citizen <laughs> in the church until the, the, they asked me to teach. Once they asked me to teach, I was always different, okay? I had a call on my life to do a certain thing. So after going through so many different ministries, not going to say so many different, about two or three, about two ministries, okay? I, had, I went through two ministries where I would, while they, were, they asked me to teach, and I taught the kingdom, and in teaching the kingdom, it was something that they had not heard. But at the time, I was entertaining Miles Monroe, and I don't know who they were listening to. And so I, was, I, I got to teaching on the kingdom, and the moment I got to teaching on the kingdom, because it was something that they did know, which is understandable, now I understand. I didn't understand before, because men, they would come to me and say, if it's in the Bible, teach it. And I'm like, okay, you sure? <laughs> and then I would teach things that they didn't see. And so I arrived at a particular church and I told my wife when we got there, I'm not teaching here. I'm not teaching. But how many of you know the call, you can't outrun the call. I sat there about a year later. He, uh, I was ordained as the assistant pastor in the church and, uh, and they asked me to minister. All right. Uh, and so... To avoid any situations, (laughs) I wrote out what I would be teaching, Okay, I wrote out exactly what I would be teaching, the format of how I would teach it, the the curriculum, the thought process behind why I teach what I teach. And I gave it to the leadership. I gave it to my wife. I gave it to my father. I gave it to two other, other brothers in the church. And then I sent it to one of my brothers who was a minister. And I said, if there's anything wrong with this, I need to know. Because what I did not want to do was get up here, start teaching, and then it'd be a conflict. Amen? Yeah. Say, that's honor. That's All right? Because when, when you're teaching, it's, when you're standing up here teaching, it's not about what you know. It's about feeding the body. All right? It's about feeding the body. And so... Uh, after I did that, I told the pastor, I said, Look, because after sitting and listening, I, I, I would hear this person teach, this person teach, and everybody had something different they were saying. So I called the pastor to the side and I said, Look, we need as ministers to go behind closed doors and we need to exhaust these topics before we teach them. Because if we do not, there's going to be confusion in the body. The pastor said every man needs to get his own revelation I left it there the moment I got to teaching and at this particular time I started teaching sonship and it was something new that they had not heard I started teaching about in Christ at the time all they knew about was the Holy Spirit and immediately it caused what a conflict in the body. People were on a prayer call, <laughs> and they were saying, "You know, uh, uh, God, help us to uh, figure out this false teaching about in Christ, being in Christ." And I'm like, "Here we go." I'm like, "Here we go." All right. So the leadership came to me one day. I, I had I was teaching a series. I taught on the DNA of Christ. I taught on popularized Christianity, and I was teaching. And, and the leadership came to me one day, and he said, "How many messages you have left?" I said, three He said, "This your last one. That's it." I said, well, I tried to avoid that, okay, by giving you everything that I would teach. And so from that point, I see that the Father was building me as an apostle. He was letting me know this is how you have to do ministry, all right? Because if anyone is teaching under you, y'all all have to say the same thing. The Bible says that constantly, right? The, as, a, as a body, we're supposed to say the same thing. So if y'all supposed to say the same thing, definitely the people who touch this mic are supposed to say the same thing. Amen? And so I got kicked out that church, too. It is what it is, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, okay? But the reason why is because there was no foundation, there was no protocol for ministry. There was no curriculum. I wasn't taught, this is, how, this is what we're supposed to do. I was told that every man get their own revelation. I come teaching, and my revelation exceeded everybody else's. Now, that's a problem, because the people loving it. It was people was loving it. People was loving it, calling me, asking me to mentor them, and it became a problem. So the father dealt with me and started ministry on There's a specific way you have to do ministry, all right? And so that's what I'm going to talk about today, how we do ministry. So that we can understand as leaders and we can understand as people so that even when you're outreaching, you can let people know this is what you can expect when you come here, amen? So ministry, ministry is the service and administration of something, okay? For us, it's the kingdom and the church, all right? To minister, now, th- all, now the definitions you see up there are straight out the Greek. All right, so I'm not adding or taking anything away from it. I'm giving you just what is in Scripture. It, it, there isn't even any revelation on there. Okay, first, it is the service or is ministering, especially of those who execute the commands of others. So you have people who are called as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, and we, and we, uh, um, We dispatch people to teach. Two, it is of those who, by the command of God, proclaim and promote religion among men. It is the office of Moses, all right? The office of the apostle and its administration, the office of the prophet, evangelist, elder, etc. It is the ministration. Of those who render to others the office of Christian affections, especially those who help meet needs by either collecting or distributing of charities. It is the office of a deacon in the church, the service of those who prepare and present food. So ministry is about service. Say service okay ministry is about service and administration administration is a protocol that we use to build something okay to run an organization so when we're talking about ministry we're talking about running an organization that is called the church amen Amen. now the church is not ours it was given to us to manage It was given to us to manage, and so this is where we get stewardship from. So ministry is the stewardship of the affairs of a group of people. The group of people who are the administrative staff in the body of Christ is his sons and daughters. Amen? The sons and daughters. Jesus said, I will build my church. When he said I, he was talking about everybody in his body. So everybody in his body is called to build the church. That's why the ministry that everyone has is the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Now, there are several ministries that make up the apostolic ministry. So we have the sons, the daughters. We have the uh, angels, the Holy Spirit. We have the prophetic. We have the doctrinal. We have the pastoral. We have the evangelical. Now, in this administration, we preach, we teach, we pray, we have arts, we have entertainment, we have the ministry of reconciliation. But all in all, the entire ministry is to do what? Reveal the Father. Amen? The end game of ministry is reveal the Father. The Father's plan. What was the Father's plan? Send his son so that he could have more children. Okay, the end game of the church is Abba wants more children. The whole purpose of him having the planet Earth being here, us being in time and space, and him being in eternity, and so he can expand his kingdom here through his sons and daughters. So in the beginning, he wanted a family. There's the only reason for him to speak and say, let there be light is because he wanted children. Adam fell, Jesus came to bring that back. And had not Adam failed, we're not talking about ministry because it's just our life. The reason why we have to do ministry is to restore what Adam lost. Amen? Amen. And so I'm going to read these off. Give me a second. Um, I'm going to read these off. We have... Don't worry about keeping up with me, Chad. I'm I'm going to say something here, but don't change the slide. So in us building ministry, we have five stages of sonship. We have five spiritual practices called practice in righteousness. For my note takers, you, you can write this down. We have four teaching pillars. We have five divine offices of administration. Amen? Okay. So, the five stages of sonship. Now, incorporated in the five stages of sonship is the orphan spirit, all right? And also is fathering. So, if there was a sixth stage of sonship, it would be fathering. So the five stages of sonship are nepios, pation, technon, naniskos, and Weos. Now, the whole reason for us using these is because when the scriptures were written, they were written in Greek and translated in English. And us, as Americans, we Americanize everything. So when you look in scripture and you see child, You see children, you see son. You see young men, you see sons. It is one of these five words. So this is important because when they were having the conversations and they were talking, give me Galatians chapter four, verse one. It reads, it says, Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So when we read that scripture, it says, Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, if we are reading that in the Greek, if we are having a Greek conversation, it reads now as long as the heir is an infant. As long as the heir is a nepios. That's not pation. That, that's not technon. That's not nanisco. That's not weos. It had a specific word that it used. This is why the Bible says to study. Don't just read, because in America we read and we assume we know. So as soon as we see child, we just associate it with children. But in doing that, we have missed so much understanding of how to grow spiritually, because the only way you can grow in this, in this walk is through the five stages. If there is another way, please tell me because I want to grow please let me know. If you find another way, let me know because I want to grow. And in and in dealing with ministry for years, there was just never any way to grow. I didn't know how I was growing. I had no idea. I was just showing up here to pastor preach. That was a great message. Go home. How am I growing? It's not based on the lack of sin. That's a discipline. People don't have, look, watch this. You can sin without church. You can can leave sin alone without church. Church is not where we come to get rid of sin. Church is where we come to become like Christ. It's people in the church who 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 are not in the church who don't cuss. (laughs) Who are faithful in marriage. All It, It it's people who 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 you know they don't cheat. They make right, they make good, sound decisions. It has nothing to do with the Bible. Because by by way of discipline. So the growth of the church is not discipline. It's how much Christ is in you. So infant, nepios is an infant. It means to be childish. It means to be untaught. It means to be unskilled in managing the word. It means to be simple-minded, it means to be immature. So he's saying as long as the heir is an infant, childish, untaught, unskilled, simple-minded, or immature, you differ nothing from a slave, although you own everything. So what, does that, so what did he do? Instead, he, he put them under guardians and trustees until the time set by who? Say that louder. Say that louder. Come on, say that louder. Okay, because I don't want you to... It, it, it's not until the time of the child. But that's what we think. It's like, I don't like this church. They get on my nerves, so let me go find another... No, that ain't what he said, do. He said until, his, until he say it, until the time of the father. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It reads, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2, he called a child and had him stand amongst them. Truly, truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, they asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child. Then he told them, Unless you turn and become like children. Now, if this was a Greek conversation, if this conversation was had in the Greek, it would have said in verse 2 that he called a pation. Not a, not a nepios. Not a Naniscaus, not a techno, not a Weas. He called a Patian, and he said, "Unless you turn and become like a Patian, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." Which means you will never walk in that lifestyle. Now, how do we know that's true? Because he just said, "As long as you become a, long as you stay an infant, although you own everything, you can't touch any of your inheritance." A palaeon is one that is more advanced and mature than an infant. It is a young child, according to spiritual intelligence. It is used of the prodigal son's brother. How the prodigal son ran off and spent his his, uh, inheritance, and then when he returned, and they were getting ready to throw a feast for him, The brother came out and said to the father, I've been with you all this time. Why haven't you threw a party for me? And he said, son, (laughs) you've been with me all this time. Everything that I have is yours. But he was a patty on. He was a little child in his development, so he didn't see that. So now, this is why it is important for you to invest your time in studying because you will read this and it will just say, unless you turn and become like children, and you will just think children because we're in America. I'm a child of God. At what level? Come on, we said at at what level are you a child of God? Are you an infant? Are you a pation? Are you a technon? Are you an anisko or are you a weos? Are you an infant? Are you a little child? Are you a teenager? Are you a young adult? Or are you a fully mature son? John chapter 1 verse 12. Now I'm just going through these so you can see that if you don't study, you can misinterpret and misunderstand. It says, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. To those who who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of the will of God. So in this scripture, John is talking and he says, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. That word children is the word technon. So it reads like this. It says, but to all who did receive him, He gave them right to be technons. He didn't give you a right to be a nepios. The authority that he's given us, the power that he's given us is not to stay a baby. It's not to stay a child. So he says he's given us the the right or the power to become children. And if we were reading this and we were talking to someone in the Greek, they would say technons. They would not just say children, but we say children and we don't study it. So he didn't, he said as many as received him, he gave the right to become technon. Now a technon it is the teenage stage. It is the pupil stage in which you are ready to receive instructions that nourish the mind and character. It is when you are ready to be molded by wisdom. It is a name transfer due to intimate and, and reciprocal relationship formed by the bond of love, friendship, and trust. That's why Jesus told his disciples, he says, you are my friends. Now I can tell you these things because it was a bond there. He saw the development in them. And so at this stage, it is a teenage stage. It is a stage where you are ready to be developed. You want to be nourished. And for this reason, we were born to be children of God. At the nepio stage, we're whiny. It's about us. All you want us to do is change, da- change diapers, give you your milk, and, and pat you on your back. Then when you go into the patio stage, you're a child. You know your father, but you still have issues submitting yourself to the kingdom protocol. At the technon stage, you are ready to be developed. You want your assignment. You want to know what you're called to do. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. Now, this one is very unique. It says, I have written to you children. Now, that word is Pation. It says, I have written to you children because you... You have come to know the father. That is a characteristic of Pations that is different from infants. Infants don't know the father. They are children of God, but they don't know intimately the father. By the time you reach a Pation stage, which means if you bring a baby in here right now, you can pass that baby to anybody. And if, if we left that baby with anybody, anybody could raise that baby. But you hit a stage as a child that you know who your parent is. That's the stage they be attached to your leg when somebody come around. They know who the parent is. Oh, OK, when you get to the technon stage, they're by your side. They talking to you. That's the stage where they tell you ain't my daddy. He don't tell me what to do, because they know. <laughs> So it says, I have written to you children because you you have come to know the Father. Then it says, I have written to you fathers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. That is a characteristic of a spiritual father. You must know and understand the, the message from the beginning. This is what I'm teaching on Wednesdays, the I am equation, the predestined conversation. You have to know that to be a spiritual father. You have to know the father's protocol to be a father. So as you can see, there's portion in scriptures that are written to patty (laughs) There's portion in scriptures that are written to fathers. Then it says, I have written to you young men because you are strong, because God's word remains in you and you have conquered the evil one. Amen? Amen. So when you read that and you see the word young men, that's not talking about nepios. That's not a nepios, that's not a pation, that's not a technon, that is a nanisko. So we were having this conversation and it was a Greek conversation, they would not just say young men or children or child or son, they would point and say nanisko. So he would say I have written to you pations because you know the father. I have written to you pates because you have come to know uh, because you have come to know the one who was from the beginning. Then it would say, I have written to you Naniscos, because you are strong, God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Can you see the maturity? Amen. Amen. Romans 8 and 14. says, for all those who are led by God's spirit are God's sons. Now, this word sons in the Greek is the word "weos." This is fully mature children. He says, as many as are led or for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. He didn't say that about the nepios. Nepios are not led by the Spirit. Matter of fact, when they hear the Spirit, the Spirit is always telling them what they want. Did y'all catch that? They hear the Spirit based on what they want to do. When when you're a pateon, you tend to hear the Spirit according to what you want the Father to do for you. You don't hear it according to what he wants you to do, This is the reason why Jesus was a weos. When he baptized him at the Jordan River, he says, this is my son, who I'm well pleased with. It wasn't a nepios. It wasn't a pateon. It wasn't a technon. It wasn't a niskos. It was a weos. And so the Bible said the spirit came upon him, rested on him, and it remained. When you are nepios, you quench the spirit often. When you are a pation, you quench the spirit often. Why? Because it's all about you. It's all about what you want. When you are a Technon, you you quench the spirit. When you are an Aniskos, the spirit remains on you more. Amen? Y'all with me? So, when you are a Nepios, you on strictly milk. When you are a pation, milk and just a little meat. Now, meat is instructions. Milk is nourishment. Meat is instructions for changing you. When it's meat, the word going to come, and it's coming to change you. When you are a technon, it's milk and some meat. When you are an aniskos, it's meat and a little milk. So that's when you can take a harsh word, and sometimes we'll nourish you. Sometimes we'll make you feel good about yourself, but most of the time we're giving you the word because we expect you to be a certain place. Yes. Then when you get to we are, nothing but me. That's why Jesus said, I only do what my father tell me to do. That's why he said, he, he said about Satan, there's, there's none of Satan in me. I don't hear what Satan say. I only hear what the father say. I only do what my father say. I don't have a will. I don't have any plans. That's how a weas talks. Now, Nepios, now we're talking about New Testament. Nepios is in the New Testament 14 times. Pateon is in the New Testament 51 times. Technon is in the New Testament 99 times. Naniskos is in the New Testament 10 times. And Weos is in the New Testament 382 times. So you have 556 times that this conversation is going on in the New Testament. And all we do is simply read it and say, children, child, son, and just say, I'm a child of God. This is how we do ministry. This is why the Bible says study. Study. Don't just read. (laughs) Study to show yourself approved. So, like I told you, this is how we determine spiritual growth. We go from glory to glory. This is also how we grow out of our orphan ways. As we grow from Nepios to Pateon to Technon to Danisco to Wios, we grow out of orphan ways. Jesus said, I would never, I would not leave you orphans. Orphans means to be fatherless and homeless. This is why Jesus asked the question. They said, your mother, your brother, they're out there looking. Uh, your mother and your sister, brothers out there, they're asking about you. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? He said, those that do the will of my father. Yes. Amen? So, that is the five stages of sonship. And the reason why we do that is because that's the only way we know we're growing. It is the only way that we know we're growing. And like I said, if you see any other way, please let me know, because I want to grow. Okay, the next one is the five spiritual practices. Practice in righteousness. We have giving, we have prayer, we have fasting. I guess I should have put ing on that. We have word time, and we have fellowship. So, practicing righteousness is proof that you want to grow. So we know about the stages of sonship, but now it's time to grow through those stages. And these five states, these five spiritual practices are the only way that we know that you want to grow, that you want to be part of the kingdom. Matthew chapter six, verse one, Jesus said take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So one, he told us to practice righteousness. Am I right? He said, beware how you do it. He said, don't do it like a hypocrite. Don't try to do it in the sight of people a certain way. Don't grab the mic and pray so you can impress people. If you do that, we know you, you most likely Nepios. you just want attention. He said, don't do it in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward. So upon doing these, we have a what? Reward. So when we do these five spiritual practices, the Father, what? Rewards us. So meaning what? The Father is looking at these five things. And he's looking at how often we do them, when we do them, and how we do them. This is not up here for my note takers. In, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 and 4, he's talking about giving. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 12, he's talking about prayer. In Matthew chapter six, verse 16 through 18, Jesus is speaking about fasting. Now he is the word, so. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15, is where he tells us to study to show yourself approved, the workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then the last one for fellowship is all through the scriptures. All these are all through the New Testament. That's why I told you guys that's the, that, that is our task. I tell anybody when you start reading the Bible, do not start in the Old Testament. You will get confused because for one, it's not the Testament that you're under. Start in the New Testament. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John so you can, so you can understand what the mind of Christ is. That's what the Gospels are. They're the mind of Christ being illuminated for us. So for fellowship, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where he says um, to um, encourage one another, but to not forsake the fellowship as a matter of some are. And like I said, all these things are done at a sonship level. So you can give like a nepios. Come on. Or you can give like a wios. You can pray like a nepios, or you can pray like a we are. You, can you see how you can grow in all these? And no condemnation. That's why the Bible says there's no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no condemnation, and there's abundance of grace because you have to grow in this. He's not expecting you to come in here and ace every test. But the, but the purpose of grace is so you can grow. So, with that, we have four teaching pillars. Now, these teaching pillars is how we will build the church. These teaching pillars are established through the gospel mission. If you look in Jesus' ministry, you will see these four things that he talked about. One, he talked about the relationship. His whole purpose of his ministry was to get us acquainted with his father. He said, My father, your father, our father. Family. The next one is the kingdom. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. The Bible also tells us that it pleased the Father to give us the kingdom. So if it pleased the Father to give us the kingdom, he's not giving it to church members. He's giving it to sons and daughters. If the Bible tells us that if you are nepios, you can inherit, receive your inheritance, then we know he's not giving it to infant children. That's why every time you see Paul talk about sin, after Paul would talk about sin, he would say, if you do this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because sin shows your maturity level. It shows your maturity level. Amen? Ain't no shame in it. Okay, we're children of God. Okay, we're, we're, we're in the family. We ain't worried about heaven and hell. We locked in. Now we're in grace. This is the dispensation of grace where we get to cultivate this relationship. Once He comes back, ain't gonna be no more cultivating. So, right now is the time that we lock in and we walk through these processes with diligence. Amen. So, the next one is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church so if Jesus said he would build his church if Jesus talked about the father talked about the kingdom then at the conclusion of that he said I would build my church then that means we need to be talking about the church because that's the building process then the Bible tells us which I 'll say again and again and again during this pillar that the church is the body of Christ The church is his body. The church is the kingdom project. The kingdom project is to build the church. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's talking about seeking to build the body. Then we have ministry. Ministry. So those are our four teaching pillars. Our four teaching pillars are relationship, kingdom, church, and ministry. Amen? Now, ministry is the administration and service to reveal the other three. Y'all get that? So ministry is the administration of service to reveal the relationship, the kingdom, and the church. So that's why we show up here. We show up at ministry to reveal the Father. To understand that we are sons and daughters. To get an understanding of the kingdom. Jesus walked on the scene. The first thing he said, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Then throughout his ministry, he kept on saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. Why was he saying that? He's trying to get us to know what it's like. Why is he trying to do that? Because it belongs to us. So this is what you've seen in Jesus' ministry. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? The relationship and the kingdom. We didn't lose church services. We didn't lose religion. We didn't lose denominations. We lost a relationship. That's the restoration process. We lost the kingdom. He's trying to get it back to us. In order to fulfill this, we have to build the church, which is his body. So in the ministry part, this is where we would talk about healing, deliverance, gifts, miracles, signs, wonders. If y'all been here anytime, y'all know my thought process with gifts, all that stuff was we'll get to that after we understand the relationship in the kingdom. And what the church is all about if you come in and we just talk talk about gifts everybody trying to prophesy everybody trying to cast out devils everybody trying to heal people and ain't nobody trying to become sons and daughters and that's the typical church the typical church you go to is just deliverance is they talk about the Holy Spirit Jesus and the cross no father no kingdom (laughs) they're not trying to build no church they're trying to build a ministry but we have to give the relationship, then we have to give, introduce you to the kingdom, then we can talk about becoming a church. Amen? Then we have five divine offices of administration. You have other, other uh, offices, but these are the basic five that he used. The apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelists, Ephesians. It says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So those five offices are here to teach the family, to teach the sons and daughters, those who are part of the body, how to do ministry and to equip you with gifts, to give you a platform. So it says, for the equipping or the perfecting, the maturing of the saints, his holy chosen ones, for the work of the ministry and for what? The building up of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? The church. The church. So there's no need to have gifts. There's no need to have talents. There's no need to have abilities. There's no need to be anointed. There's no need to have a mantle if you're not building the body. There's no need to be, and this is what's happening. We get prophets. They... Find out they got a prophetic gift, and what they do, they detach themselves from the body and go find their own ministry. We got a lot of evangelists. They go out, they do great evangelism, but after they do the evangelism, they can't pass them over to an apostle, a prophet. (laughs) They can't pass them over to a pastor or a teacher. And the way it's supposed to go is the apostle lays the foundation. The prophet comes in with the prophetic culture and teaches you how to see and hear on that foundation. Then we take what the apostle and the prophet did and we convert it to, to doctrine and we pass it to the teacher. The teacher then builds the minds of the people. Then we pass that over to the pastor. And now the pastor can shepherd and preach because the danger you can't preach to people that it's something they have not been taught. Because teaching is cultivating of the mind. When you preach, you attack the heart. And I can't tell you you should be a son or a daughter if I haven't explained to you the stages. So the apostle has to lay the later foundation. That's what we've been doing all these four years, is laying the foundation so that when they come behind me, they have something to teach, and we ain't all over the place. Okay? And so the apostle does that. Then a prophet comes along and she teaches people how to see and hear. That's why you have a whole series on there that talks about the ways to see the Father. What is the exact words? Languages of the Father. Languages of our Father. It teaches you how to see, how to hear. Dream interpretation. Those dreams are being answered by a Father. Not God, not the Lord. It's a relationship there. Now there's nothing wrong with saying God, nothing wrong with saying the Lord, but for your understanding, you better know it's from the Father. When you prophesy, it ain't thus said the Lord. Amen, amen. It, it's not thus said the Lord. It, the, it, the Lord not talking, okay, right now. Everything that Jesus did was to get us back to the Father. Yes. He's a mediator. So when he, he stepped in, he mediated, he reconciled us, and then he stepped away. That's why the veil tore, because now we have access to him. He was a ransom, to redeem us so the father can have children. After he did that, he went and sat down at the right hand of the father in a place of honor. And the Bible says we're seated with him. Now, the whole conversation and relationship is between us and the father. Why? Because that's the covenant. There is no covenant between us and Jesus. Ooh. Ooh. We don't have a covenant with Jesus. Jesus don't have a covenant. He said he didn't have a will. He said he didn't have a plan. He came to do the will of his father. So he doesn't have a will. He don't have a plan. And so after that, we, after we have converted the teaching to doctrine, we give it to the pastor so he can shepherd the people. Then we hand that to the evangelist. That's why y'all see all of a sudden, now we're going outreaching. Okay, we're going almost into year four. And people are like, well, why you I wait so long to evangelize? Because we not have nothing to bring them to. <laughs> there's no need to do evangelism if there's no apostle, prophet, teacher, and pastor there. I was telling a young man the other day. He said to me, he said, we be going out there telling people that, you know, uh, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you don't want to go to hell, and they be looking at us like fools. I said, because y'all sound like fools. Because that ain't the message. That ain't the prerequisite. That ain't the conversation. That ain't a Holy Spirit conversation to people. Janaysia, come join us or you going to hell. And she just come sit here. I won't go to hell. (laughs) That lasts for so long. It only lasts for so long. And then you try to you kind of figure out like, hold on. I got some time before I may die. (laughs) And, And so I told him. I told him the same thing. I said, there's no need to go out and outreach if you have nowhere to bring them to. After you outreach, they need to go learn. Okay, you don't see universities before they start schools. There's no school and they going out looking for students. <laughs> that don't make sense, do it? Jacksonville College, we want you to come where the school at? Oh, we ain't started it yet. But we just want you to come and enroll and be a student. Well, where the school at? We haven't started it yet. Well, what's the curriculum? Well we haven't had we haven't we don't have that either. Well, what am I gonna learn? Well, I don't know, just come with us. Because if you don't come with us, you won't ever get an education, I don't know. I'm trying to find some way to explain this. So, where am I at? Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So right there we have what this is what the purpose of ministry for is for. It's to get you to a place where you are, uh, where you measure to the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Where you understand who the Son of God is. Where you become a mature man, and we and we become united in faith. And how do we do that through ministry? What's the purpose of ministry to build up the body? Ephesians chapter one, verse 22, it says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is what? Help me. His body. it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself so the purpose of us doing ministry is to build up the body the body is the church the purpose of us doing ministry is to build the church the church is what his body and that's why i'm telling you if you hear there's no way you're hearing in the spirit and he ain't talking about his body that's how we know the difference between a Nepios, a Pation, a Technon, an Anisko, and a weas. They have ears, but they don't hear according to scripture. They hear according to what they want, to heart desire. And that's okay. Unless you miss, make a wrong move <laughs> and you miss it. And so that's why you get people, they come into churches, and then the moment they come into churches, they're there to measure them and see if I like it or not. You, come, you a child, how you? So you mean the Father told you to come to the church and then measure the leadership and to make a decision if you like them or not? That's, the, that's demonic, that's the devil. That's your personal opinion. The Father don't send you here to check his leaders. Matter of fact, you show me a scripture in the Bible where he says, say something. I can show you where he said don't. <laughs> Saul had lost the spirit. He wasn't even anointed no more. And, he told David, he told, and, and, and David was anointed, and he told David, don't touch him. <laughs> so now, if that's the protocol for somebody who's not anointed, so even if the leader ain't anointed, the Bible said don't touch him. Keep your tongue off of him. Just pray for him. That's your only assignment in Scripture is to pray for your leader. Amen? Come on, y'all. Come on now. I, I, did the spirit walk out? <laughs> Come on. Can I get an amen? amen. That's, the only, that's the only, anything else you do, you're immature. You're being immature. And y'all need to recognize it. As soon as you hear it, you say, that's childish. You better tell them, be quiet. You be, that's a nepios. Full, mature children of God don't do that. I was listening to my kids in a a, uh, talk one day in the car, and they said, this teacher be doing too much. I said, stop. They went and got their degree, got the job to teach you, and you know they doing too much. Really. (laughs) I was listening to my son, I was asking about the basketball coach, and he said, I don't know about that basketball coach. Three people quit already. I said, look, son, them three people that quit is not a measure of what type of coach he is is a measure They're childish. They're 14, 15 years old trying to measure a man who's went all the way through school, through college, been coaching this probably 20, 30 years, and then they join a the team, don't like what the coach say, and they quit. And a child, come on, I'm helping y'all, a child thinks there's something wrong with the coach. Did y'all hear me? The child thinks something wrong with the coach. You feel me? <laughs> People come in ministry and they, tap, they talk amongst and then they have people thinking something wrong with the leadership. No, there's something wrong with the people that's saying that. Get them out your ear because the Bible says evil communication corrupts good character. And so... Now, we have four quarters of these teaching pillars, all right? Once June hit, we have these four quarters. So once June hit, we're going to start back teaching about the relationship. And we're going to teach about the relationship from June to August, all right? Then we're going to teach about the kingdom from September to November. Then we're going to talk about the church from December to February. Then we're going to talk about ministry from March to May. And we're going to do this every year until y'all become weas.. So you will know. So when we when we're talking about the relationship, we're talking about the father and us. we're talking about us as siblings. We're talking about your natural siblings and civil and sibling rivalries. We're talking about the family relationship of the natural family, marriage, parenting, being single. We're talking about sex. okay? When we talk about the kingdom, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness, kingdom protocols, what it means to be a citizen of kingdom, etc. Amen. These are the messages that you can expect. Then from December to February, we're going to talk about the church because Jesus said, I will build my church. So we're going to talk about the body. Okay, we're going to talk about the protocol of the church, about impact. And all the message you hear will be related to that. Then, from March to May, we're going to talk about ministry. We're going to talk about the administration and service of how we're going to reveal the Father. We're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about deliverance. We're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about miracles, signs, wonders. That will be the time in which we will talk about that. And we will do this quarterly in four quarters every year. So after you have done that three, four years in a row, come on. Come on, okay? Come on. See, you need direction if you're gonna grow. You gotta know what you're growing into. Yes. Amen. Yes. Now, give me that uh, book. You guys can get this book if you want to, and you can read this book if you want to. Before, um, I did these four pillars. No, after I did these four pillars, I found this book, and I've been reading it, and it's called uh, 12-Week Year. Get more done in 12 weeks than others do in 12 months. Now, the whole premise behind this book is that usually when somebody set out to do something, you know how every year when January hits, you say you're going to change, and you know how that works, okay? And then you don't really start to November. You don't start to November, okay? You bought the gym membership in January. <laughs> Come on. You, you got, bought the treadmill, brought it to the house, and, and been closed on it. Now it's October, and you like, I got to make sure that I finish the year strong. <laughs> so last week in December, you praying and fasting because it's going to be a new year next year. <laughs> and so this book, helps to prevent that so i said instead of doing 12 month increments do 12 weeks increments so you don't have that time to procrastinate all right and so when i read the book uh, i said wow this is crazy because this is what the father gave me he this is what he gave me the four teaching pillars and to do it every three months and so that's literally 12 weeks okay so every 12 weeks you're going to be growing in a relationship you're going to be growing in the kingdom, growing in the church, church, and growing in ministry every 12 weeks. And every time, and when we go to teach about relationships, we'll have prayer points about relationships. When we do kingdom, we'll have prayer points, conversations, and discussions about the kingdom. The same thing with the church and the same thing with ministry. So after that year, you have grown and grown and grown. Amen? Now, we do all that. So, that we can have one culture, and that is revealing the Father. A culture of revealing the Father. The Bible says that we are royal priests, we are a chosen generation, we are special people, we are a spiritual house. And that's how you build the foundation. Okay? That's how you build the foundation. Now, you have to understand this. The reason why this is important is because Jesus was telling the story of the prodigal son. And when he told the story of the prodigal son, he told the story of a son who came into the house, got his inheritance, and left. Come on. That's why most people come to church. They come to church just to get their inheritance. Come on. Am I right? Most people come to to church just to get their inheritance. All they want is their 40 acres and a mule. They just want spiritual reparations. I've been through so much in life father help me that's all they want okay but then you have the people who are in church that are like the other brother okay so you had a prodigal son who took his inheritance and and, and left with it then you have his brother who was in the house serving in the field and once and and got jealous because the brother they threw a party for the brother that was lost and the father had to tell him you've been with me the whole time everything that I have is yours So you have the the, the people in church who (laughs) they just want their spiritual reparations. And then you have the people who are in church and they have no idea that everything he has is already theirs. So it's jealousy, envy, strife, malice, and all that other stuff in the body. So you got those two sons and then you got the son that's telling the story. And that's the son we want to be like. That's why he told the story. Because when he told that other story, it was about those who were lost. So you can be lost in the house. He was in the house and was lost. Still didn't know. So this is how you build a foundation, all right? This is how Paul raised the Gentiles. This is how Paul raised the Gentiles. Remember what I told you? Just in the New Testament alone, 556 times, they're talking about son, children, young men. Is that it? For sons, son, sons, children, and young men. Yeah. And so this is how Paul raised the Gentile church. This is how Jesus raised his disciples in the same fashion. Amen.